Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. If you don't get to many other churches, you may not be aware and you may take a little bit for granted. We are so blessed with our worship team and just the way they lead us. They do a super job. And all the people behind the scenes that make them sound so good, all the production people that we normally leave out, but they, yeah. Well, welcome to week two of our summer series. Uh, It's been entitled Invincible. And I don't know what you think of when you hear that word. Uh, I began to ask some friends what they thought of, and my pop music friend said, well, in 2001, Michael Jackson had an album titled Invincible, and the song on it was about a girl that he could not get her to like him. She was invincible. And then I asked someone else, and they said, well, wasn't that a movie about uh, the bartender in South Philly, uh, Vince Papali, who tried out for the Eagles in in 1976 and made the team? That movie was called Invincible. And if you are into comic book animated shows, I guess somebody told me there's one right now on Prime Series 2 called Invincible about a, a guy who was human, but his dad was superhero, and so he inherited some of his superhero skills. We're talking about invincible from the standpoint that we have an invincible God. And when we are connected to him, his power will live through us, he's promised, and there'll be some things we can do with him in our lives that we cannot do on our own. And we're looking during the month of June and July at the life of David. And Pastor Matt started that last week by looking at David when he was anointed in 1 Samuel 16 and how he was known as a man after God's own heart. And we're gonna see the early part of his life as we walk through this these two months where he was invincible in a lot of areas when he walked with God and his heart was for God, but later in life his heart began to drift and he was not so invincible. And we're gonna learn some lessons from that too. This morning we're gonna be in 1 Samuel 17. You've got your phones or your Bibles, and it's probably the most famous story you think of when you think of David, which is David and what? Goliath. Yeah, you always think of David and Goliath, and it's that great story. It's about 60 verses long, so I want you to read it out loud with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just going to tell the story because it is about 60 verses, but it's one you're probably familiar with. It takes place in the Valley of Elah. And what had happened is the Philistines had come out to invade some territories of Israel. The Philistines lived in five major cities on the coast of the Mediterranean to the west of the land of Judah and Israel. They came to the border to take some land. Saul and his armies went out to meet them and to stop them. And where they ended up was in the Valley of Elah. So the story begins with David, I mean, with Saul and his armies lined up on the eastern hills, and the Philistines lined up on the western hills. And normally, when that happened, they would just head into the valley and go at it. But the Philistines this time had a secret weapon. So they line up, they get ready to do battle, and a giant walks out of the Philistine camp and walks down into the valley. This was something new. He's over nine feet tall. His name's Goliath. His armor weighs like 125 pounds. The Israelites don't have a giant. I mean, the average height of an Israelite at that time was about 5'8". Saul was known to be a head taller than everybody else, so maybe he's 6'2", 6'3". The giant's nine feet tall. 
And the giant walks out, and we're not told what Goliath says on day one. We're told what he says on day 40. I think on day one, he may have been a little nicer. I don't know. I think he walked down that day in day one and said, hey, there's no use all of us dying. There's no use us going to war, some of you not going home. Here's the plan. I'll fight for our army. You send somebody out to fight me, and whoever wins, wins. And the other army surrenders, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We'll just do it this way, and it'll be great, and everybody will just go home, and and we'll all be fine. The only problem was the Israelites didn't have anybody that would fight. And so every day, Goliath would come out and throw this challenge and get a little more abusive. And I think the Israelite army would line up and look at Saul and like, dude, you've been king for 25 years and you're head taller than anybody else. If anybody's gonna fight the giant, it should be you. And Saul's not going because he's a politician and he thinks he's more important than everybody else. And, and so they're at this standstill. So day 40, enter David. David lived in Bethlehem, which is about 19 miles east of where this was taking place. David's dad, who was Jesse, who by the way, we can learn more about David and his great-grandparents in the book of Ruth, little trivia about David. David was the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. They had a son named Obed who had a son named Jesse who was David's father. Also, uh, David's name is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. It's second only to Jesus as far as people mentioned in the Bible. So David is in Bethlehem. He's been anointed king. He's about 15 years of age when that happened. David was born in about 1040 BC, about a thousand years before Jesus. And so David's there and his dad, Jesse, says, I wanna send a care package to David's three oldest brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. We're all fighting in Saul's army. uh, Jesse said, well, they're not that far away. It's 19 miles. I want you to take some bread and some cheese and take it and check on your brothers and give it to the commander and butter him up so he doesn't give them duties that nobody wants. So David goes and does that. David arrives on the scene in 1 Samuel 17 on day 40. Goliath comes out. This time he's a little more abusive. Come on, you bunch of cowards. All come and fight me. And David hears this and says, what's going on? And somebody says, well, it's been going on 40 days. Goliath comes out, and and now it's like Saul will pay a lot of money. He'll give his daughter in marriage. He'll exempt the family from taxes. I mean, we're trying to get somebody to fight this giant, and nobody wants to. And everybody takes off, and they're hiding. And David says, you're kidding me. Why aren't we fighting? David's brothers hear him, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, and they start chirping on David. What are you doing here? What, you sneak off and leave those sheep? Aren't you supposed to be? Well, you're just a shepherd. You don't know what you're talking about. And so David just ignores them, asks somebody else. Somebody hears David talking about this and goes to Saul and said, we may have found somebody to fight the giant. So Saul sends for him, brings him and says, you were asking. And as soon as he walks in the tent, Saul's disappointed. David's probably 17 or 18 at this point. You had to be 20 to be in the military. He was 15 when he was anointed king. This is some time between there. So our little preschool stories that we sing sometimes, only a boy named David, only a little sling. He wasn't 12 years old. He's a young man. And the Bible says he was a good-looking young man, and he was a strong young man. So he's probably 17 or 18, but Saul still knows this is no soldier. So David walks in. Saul says, uh, hmm, you're just a boy. And David said, well, I watched my father's sheep and uh, I killed a bear, killed a lion. And uh, God 
was with me when I did that, and so he'll be with me when I do this. And Saul evidently saw something in him. Again, our reason to believe he's probably 17 or 18, pretty athletic looking, because Saul says, okay. Saul brings his armor, puts it on David, which again, Saul's a head taller than everybody else, and at least he's gonna try the armor, which tells us David's not a 12-year-old boy. He's probably a 17 or 18-year-old young man. Saul tries the armor, puts him on. He says, well, if you're gonna go to battle, you're gonna look like a soldier. You can't look like a shepherd. David says, nah, I don't think so. I'll just go with what I got. So David grabs his staff, he grabs his sling, he heads out into the valley, he stops at a stream and picks up five stones and puts them in his pouch. Then he heads out. Well, Goliath looks and Goliath is offended that they would send somebody like David out to fight him. So Goliath starts chirping on David. He's like, you little, you little boy, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna feed you to the birds. And David says, you've offended my God, you've insulted my God, I come in the name of my God. And then David gets a little bold too, and he goes, I tell you what, I'm gonna kill you and cut your head off. And then Goliath moves at David, and I think for the first time in Goliath's life as a bully, the person he moved on didn't back up. David runs at him, puts a stone in the sling, flings the sling, hits Goliath in the head. Now, pause that for a moment. Can you picture the armies? It's been 40 days. During that 40 days, I imagine the Philistine guys got where, like, they didn't even leave their tent. You know, Goliath got it. Why should we be out here? The Israelite guys are like, what's going to happen? But this day, they hear somebody's coming, so everybody's lined up. The Philistine guys are just kind of joking. You know, look at the guy who's gonna fight. We got this. Get your swords ready. I know we said surrender, but we're gonna kill everybody. So they're ready. The Israelite guys are like packing their bags. <laughs> they're like, David's gonna fight Goliath? How fast can we run? You know, and they're ready to take off. Can you imagine how quiet it got when Goliath falls? And then David runs up with his sword and cuts off his head and holds it up. And the Israelite army looks at each other and they're like, yeah, and they charge, and the Bible says they followed them, killing Philistines all the way back to their cities. So it's a great victory for David. He's invincible because he has a heart for God. I think there's some great lessons in this for us, and dads, being Father's Day, I was thinking, here's some lessons we need to hear. So I found seven things. They're for everybody, but specifically for dads, that we need to be ready to deal with. I think everybody thought David was inadequate. I think Goliath thought he would intimidate. And David said, with God, I'm invincible. And sometimes we will face giants. Some of you are right now that you think I'm inadequate. I remember the first time I held my first daughter a long time ago. And I held that baby in my hands. I was 25 and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I am not ready for this. I am so inadequate for this. And life can be intimidating. And yet with God, we are promised that we can be invincible and he'll give us the strength to do what we need to do. So let's look at some lessons real quick, okay? Lesson number one is in verse 26. The proper motivation in our life will build confidence to do life. Verse 26 is where David said, uh, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David's motivation was not about looking good. David didn't show up and go, hey, I'll do this and put it on my resume. I'm gonna kill a giant. I'm gonna do this and everybody will think I'm gonna be a great king. He wasn't thinking ahead. You know what ticked him off? That God had been insulted. His motivation was to honor God. And when he chose to honor God, it gave him confidence to do anything God brought toward him. 
The proper motivation in our lives gives us confidence to do the things that we think we can't do. Dads, when you get up every day and say, today it's about honoring God, it's about raising my kids to honor God, it's about setting an example for them to honor God, it gives you a confidence to do the right things and to live that life. David chose the motivation was to honor God. It wasn't about him, you know. I hope you guys have engraved on your heart Pastor Jimmy's famous saying, it's not about you, boo-boo. Because I, I think of that all the time. We don't do anything to make ourselves look good. We should live our lives to make God look good. And that gives us a confidence to do the right things and the hard things. Lesson number two. Today's routines will prepare for tomorrow's battles. In verse 34, when Saul said, uh, you're just a shepherd, he said, yeah, let me tell you what I've done, being just a shepherd. I don't know, I don't know when David was anointed when he was 15, if he was a typical 15-year-old. I remember when my son was 15, I wasn't sure I was gonna let him live to be 16. It was not a good couple of years uh, in our house with him. He turned out to be a great young man, but I had my doubts in those years. And uh, David, I don't know if when, you know, Samuel comes and he anoints him king, and then Samuel leaves, the feast is over, and Jesse goes, well, let, who's gonna wash the sheep? I don't know, David goes, not me, I'm gonna be the king. I don't know if he pulled the king card often. I don't know if he, if he was like, well, uh, you know, but we see that he didn't. What did he do? He went back to watching sheep. He went back for another 15 years, humbly waiting for God's timing. And those things prepared him. I'm sure when the lion came out and he was just thinking, I gotta save the sheep, he wasn't going, well, someday I might have to kill a giant. I better learn to kill this lion. But God gave him those things. Some of you that have lived as long as me can think back to some speed bumps that we had in our lives that prepared us for things that we happened, some giants that we had to face later. And faithfulness in the routine, faithfully living for God, faithfully walking with integrity, faithfully doing the things. You're faithfully here this morning. You're putting your children in children's ministry. You're gonna bring them to VBS next week. You're faithful in how you live and how you serve your wives and your husbands. And that routine faithfulness prepares us for giants that come along later. Today's routines will prepare us for tomorrow's battles. <clears throat> Lesson number three. <clears throat> I see in this, that, uh, in this story, you gotta be selective who speaks into your life. In verse 28, David's brothers were chirping on him. In fact, they give him a hard time. They go, uh, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come only to watch the battle. And listen to what David says in response. Now what have I done? You know what that tells me? These guys always spoke to him that way. This wasn't the first time that they talked down to David. I don't know how they responded. Can you imagine when David, the big deal to be anointed the next king, Samuel comes and he says, Jesse, can you line up your boys? It's supposed to be one of your sons. And Eliab, the firstborn, comes in feeling pretty good. You know, that's me. Samuel goes, no, nah, it's not. Eliab comes in. Nah, it's not you either. Shama comes in, it's not you either. And they go through all of them till they get to David. I don't know how they felt about that. And then David comes into camp. These guys are in uniform. If you've ever been around military guys in uniform, it gives them a boldness. They're in uniform, and he's a shepherd. And he's saying, why aren't you doing something? They're hiding behind the tent, and he's going, why aren't you fighting a giant? So they're ticked off about that. They were angry, 
And they start chirping at him that he's not doing what they think they, he should be doing. When we decide that we're gonna live for God, dads, when we get up and say every day, I'm gonna do what God wants me to do for my family, there will be people in our culture that say, why are you doing that? Why are you not letting your kids do what all the other kids do? Why are you protecting your kids from that? Why are you sending your kids to church camp instead of cheerleading camp or football camp? Why are you sending your kids to V? Why do you make your kids go to youth group on Wednesday night? Why do you do this? Why do you serve your wife all the time instead of her serving? Why, why, why? They're gonna keep chirping on us. Sometimes it'll be our parents. Sometimes it'll be our siblings. Sometimes it'll be family that won't understand why we do what we do to honor God. And sometimes you just need to turn away. Notice David didn't argue. He didn't go back at them and say, yeah, who's gonna be the king? Nah, 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 nah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't get back in her face. He didn't defriend them on Facebook or anything. He just turned away. And sometimes when the world comes at us, at us for, for committing to be godly men and dads, we just need to turn away. Number four, lesson number four is in verse 38. That's where uh, David, when he gets dressed in the, in the armor, because Saul wanted him to look like a soldier, David said, that's not me. The lesson I see there is, God, you just gotta be the best you that you can be. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to be, uh, culture will say, here's what you need to look like, dad, here's what you need to do, here's where you need to, here's where you need to take your kids, if you're a good dad, you're gonna do this. You gotta be the best you that you can be. And Dev, David said, I'm a shepherd. He said, I'm a shepherd and I'm good with a sling. And this is not some kid's toy. You know, if you read the Bible, there are about 10 times in scripture that we're told about men with slings. In the book of Judges, one of the tribes had 700 men armed with slings who could fling a rock at a hare and not miss it. Slings were the snipers of the military back then. And David was good with his. This was a military precision weapon. And David said, I know what I'm good at. Dads, know what you're good at. You don't have to be the dad you're not. You don't have to be the dad that, oh, the kids want to go to his house because he has this and has that and has that. If that's not you, don't try to be that. Just be the dad that you are because God put you where you are to be the husband and father that you need to be. And he's equipped you to be that. So be the best you can be. Lesson number five, <clears throat> be ready for battle. In verse 40, it's interesting that David grabs his staff and then he steps through the stream and he grabs five smooth stones. You'd be surprised, my opinion, <laughs> of all the ridiculousness about why he chose five stones. <laughs> I mean, it's just like guys have, have written theological theses on why there were five stones, you know, because there were five cities of the Philistines and there were this and that. And I'm like... I'm thinking David just thought, he's a big boy. I don't know if one rock's gonna take him down. I don't know, maybe he just reached down and that's what he came up, maybe that's all his pouch would hold. We don't have to get distracted by that, but David didn't walk out in the valley going, I don't need anything. He knew he needed some weapons. And so he took what he knew he would need to go into battle. Guys, what's your weapons? Dads? I would encourage you for the next 30 days to make Ephesians chapter six your weapon. That every morning when you get up, you read this. 
It starts in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's our giant. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, you stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, you take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you pray and the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, you be alert and you keep on praying for all the saints. Guys, that's what we have to do to go into battle. We get up so many days and we just head out into the world and then a giant shows up, something happens and we're like, I don't know what to do about this. And I just hear God going, I told you, I gave you what you need to handle this. You just gotta put it on. And we commit to put on truth and integrity and righteousness. When we begin to get in God's word, we have a sword to go into battle. We can be invincible with God's help and be the men that our families need. Number six, lesson number six. Our commitment will encourage others. The whole army of Israel are standing there afraid to go into battle. They're ready to run. David kills a giant they're ready to go after them, you know? I mean, they just instantly, everything changes for them from being afraid and defeated to going into battle and being invincible and killing the Philistines. All it took was one person to have that influence in others. That's you. Dads, moms, kids, whatever position we're in, that's us. The rest of the world walks in fear. The world that doesn't know God walks in fear, waiting for somebody who knows God just to step up and goes, we can do this. We got this. You got friends going through some terrible times of their life, not knowing what to do, just needing you to speak up and say, listen, let's pray about this, because God's got this. They need you to be an example. You know what's really cool about this? If we continue reading the history, which we will over the next eight weeks, David's brothers became major players in his kingdom when he became king. These guys who are upset because he's the king, these guys who are, are bad mouthing him become major players. In fact, Shammah's son, you think he didn't get told stories about his uncle David killing Goliath? I think he did because guess who killed Goliath's brother? David's nephew, Shammah's son. The influence you can have when you step up the influence we can have when we choose God, when we choose to do the right things, goes beyond our family to our friends, to the people that see us every day that we don't even know, just making right choices, wearing the right armor. Our commitment will encourage other people. And the last lesson, number seven, is the power of God, not our power, that makes us invincible. Last week, Pastor Matt, Read in chapter 16 before this, when Samuel anointed David, it said the power of God came on David. And you say, well, that's really cool. So David had something super going on. That same power is promised to us. In the New Testament, when Peter stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost and people said, what do we do? He goes, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins 
and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told his disciples, when I leave, it's gonna be better for you because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. He will be a comforter to you. He will be wisdom for you. He will be a guide and a counselor for you. That spirit is promised to us. And he said that when we are connected to God, when we are connected to him, the invincibility that flows from his spirit flows into us and through us. We don't do this in our own power. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power, it says, I think Romans, Ephesians, Hebrews, all through the Bible, it says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's the Holy Spirit. So here's our big idea for the day. The giants in our lives can be defeated when we walk with God in the power of his spirit. Doesn't matter what the giant is. Doesn't matter what, what your biggest fear you can think of down the road happening. You can handle it with God's power. You can handle it when you're letting God write the story. We see early in David's life, God was writing his story and it didn't matter what came at him. Saul, a giant, other armies. David was invincible when he was walking with God. We see later, however, when David took the pen out of God's hand and said, I think I'll write my own story for a while, how it crumbled and how he suffered. The giants in our lives will be defeated when we walk with the power of his spirit. So here's the action step for the week. If God's spirit is available to you and you've not taken steps to make him part of your life, what's your next step? If you're not connected to God, you walk out of here facing giants on your own. I think sometimes we get so caught up in forgiveness of sins, we, we forget the part of the promise of the Holy Spirit. That we can walk out of here having God guide us and empower us and strengthen us and provide for us with the Holy Spirit. If that's something you need to know more about, dads, you cannot be successful in your role. I don't care how good you are. You're not good enough to be the dad that your family needs without the power of God in your life. If you want to know more about that, when the service is over, Pastor Matt and some others will be by the cross. Come and ask them. Because giants will come, but when we walk with God, we can be invincible. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the honesty of your scriptures. God, I thank you for the power of your spirit that we can look back and see your faithfulness and how you've prepared, prepared us for every situation, how you've walked with us through every situation, how you've given the strength and power to conquer what, what would seem to be giants. And yet we look back and realize with you it really wasn't that big a deal. God, thank you for your love for us, for your promises. May we be faithful in walking into battle every day with you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.